you make it so much funner to go to church. She's like, go ahead. Do it. Hold on, wait, everyone be quiet. Do it again. Oh, I love that. Can we learn that? So when I'm preaching, and I'm preaching better than your responses, you can learn that right there. Do it. Let's try it. Ready? You're going to sound so white, all the white people. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, that wasn't bad. See, we're breaking the spirit of CRD up in this place. Say, what's CRD? It's Caucasian Rhythmic Disorder. Anyone want to demonstrate? No? Okay. And we also want to learn this. Come on, somebody. Are you ready? Doug? Come on, somebody. Oh, that was good. Let's try it. Let him hear it one more time. Come on, somebody. Okay. <laughs> you sound a little femme. I mean, I, let's try it. One, two, three. Come on, somebody. Come on, Derek. Tell him how it's done. Oh, whatever, dude. He's like, I don't know what color I am. I... <laughs> Come on, do it. One, two, three. Come on, somebody. Oh, that's how you got to do it with some soul. Are you glad you're in church? I won't keep you long. Let's get into the word. Rochelle, I want your help. We're going to read the scripture. If you could put it up top there, Exodus chapter 33, verses 1 through 3. If you think you're here by accident, you're not. You're here by divine appointment. And God has some stuff for you today. He has some, some freedom, some healing, and some salvation he wants to give to you. You say, well, I'm saved, but we're also being saved too. And we'll ultimately be saved. So he's still delivering and healing and setting us free. And, and I'm so thankful for his presence in this place, most of all. And I want us to read, and then we're going to pray. Rochelle, my beautiful wife, thank you for the birthday wishes, by the way. And thank you for the card. And I'm blessed. I'm 36 years old. Uh, my wife was like, you're 37. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I know how old I am. I was born in 1975. I'm 36. She's trying to up a year. A few years ago, some, some little kid was like, are you a grandpa? I'm like, you trying to, it was so encouraging. On my birthday, too, this little kid said that. I was like, come here. No, I'm just kidding. I would never hurt a child. Um, I, want, I want you to pray in a moment, though, but thank you, really. I'm honored and and your words of encouragement and grace, Pastor Shane, thank you. Um, I'm so, so blessed. I, you know, I think about hearing that, and, and my wife and I are just young, and we're learning, and we're growing, and there's a lot we don't know. And, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like I don't even know what I'm doing. And, um, and I'm just learning to love people. I'm learning his love and learning to re- raise up and release. And I'm so thankful for what God is doing. And I, I don't say this, what I'm about to say to boast, but... We, um, in, in the summer months, it's not normal for a church to grow. Usually attendance goes down about 30, 35%. And, and God is, um, he's, he's adding to the church and his, his kingdom is be, being extended and he's building his church. And I just think it's a testimony of his goodness and his grace. And as young pastors, we don't claim to like have like, well, you know, we, we're just so graced with something. It's just... God's doing something, and we're delighted, honored, and humbled by it. I mean, I'm humbled by the leaders that we have in this room. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm like, really? I, I, you know, I, I told you a few weeks ago, I, we asked for a worship leader, and we have like five people that can lead worship, and we have now a worship culture pastor, which how many of you just receive and honor him? Amen? Come on, man. And I'm just, I'm honored, I'm grateful, and I'm so thankful 
I'm so thankful there's been a season for me where I could rest, you know, um, Paige and Sadie began to lead out some and, and, uh, you know, I got a chance to just kind of rest and I got too many prophetic words about rest, not to obey. And, um, and I'm just so grateful now that we can, I feel like God's preparing us for this mighty harvest and the Lord's doing something, and um, and I, I recognize it, and and I'm I don't claim to be the source of it at all. I don't claim to really like know exactly what I'm doing. I'm still learning, you know. And we all are, Amen. And I don't even know if this is the way we're doing church. I don't even know if the, maybe it'll be different in a year. We should be growing as a body, and you know we're learning some of the back end structure to you know connecting family relationally and, and we're everything that we do though has to be expandable but we're learning and i'm just sharing my heart with you because i'm honored i'm grateful but i want you to recognize it also that god's doing something and we need to be aware of it we also need to be aware that this building cannot hold us in the fall literally because attendance is probably going to there's probably going to be another 100 to 150 people coming on a Sunday morning when we have two services and we're running a couple hundred every Sunday, there's going to be another like hundred on top of it. And this building cannot contain that. Our kids are jammed back there. Last week we had 50 kids, just second service. It's a lot of kids and we want room for them. And by the way, did you see the nursery ladies? Guys, come on, man. Thank you guys for hooking that up. And man, I'm just so blessed. And, uh, Oh, man, I, I could just, we could just dismiss you right now, but some of you are like, well, let me hear a little preaching. So um, I'm done with my introduction. I'll try to be brief. So honey, would you read this scripture? And then I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to just, I want to prophesy to some broken people this morning. I just felt in my spirit, like there's some people here that you literally feel like I'm here by accident or I was just invited, but there's a divine appointment for you in this moment. And there's some things that some of you have been struggling with, things that you think you can't live without, and God's going to distinguish the things that are needs and wants, and he's going to break chains. There's th- some of you have you've, you've been, in, in, you've been uh, in bondage to some things, and the Lord is going to give you something um, that in, in a, a value of something that you cannot live without, and you're going to let go of everything else. So would you read that scripture, and let's pray. Amen? Let's pray together. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to you, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jezubite. And I'm all, the, all them Udaites. I have to add that. I'm sorry. Keep reading. Go up to the to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. I don't like that last part. Let's pray together. Go ahead, honey. Would you pray? You're such a good prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We open our hearts to just receive everything you have for us, God. I just pray just a tenderness in this house, in every heart in this, in this room. God, that our hearts would just be so open to receive your word. That every chain would be broken. Every hindrance in our life, every distraction from what you've called us to would just be removed by your word, through your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. And give God a shout of praise. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. We give you honor.
What are some of the things you cannot live without? I want you to think for a moment. What are some of those things that you literally cannot, it might be a material thing. It might be, oh, my home. I just, some of you, you've had your home for years and you've just put so much into it. How many homemakers do we have? Men and women alike that just, you put money into your home. You, oh, I cannot, I can't imagine losing my home. You ever felt that way? I, I remember my wife and I lived on the other side of town years ago, and this was our dream home. Don't cry, Rochelle. And we thought, I there's no way I could do that. I mean, this is like, oh, this is home. We had people over all the time. How many know what home I'm talking about in Southern Highlands? I mean, you know, we were doing well. We're in the mortgage business. We're like, man. And we lived above our means. And, you know, unfortunately, the more you make, the more you spend sometimes. And you need, we need to learn stewardship. What a stewardship lesson that was. But it was at the season at that time, I'm like, I can't live without this. But how many know that that's not something that we need? It's what we want right? I mean, we need a home and need a shelter, but there's so many other things. I was thinking about this message and I'm thinking about all the things we need versus all the things we want. And we could really get into that. I was thinking about my wife. Anytime our friends want to go camping, she's like, I can't do camping because I need a hairdryer. I need, um, a, why do I always forget the name of that thing? A flat iron. I don't use one. So I don't, well, maybe I use one. What are some of the other things you can't live without? I'm, Rochelle's like, I need a hot shower when I camp. And there's, it's funny to me because I, don't, I can't imagine you ever camping. She thinks camping is like a four-star hotel. That's not camping, though. It's like, let's go camping. Okay, let me make the reservations at the hotel. When I was making more money as a mortgage banker, I loved fast cars. And I, it like, I had to get it out of my system. Now I'm like, I'm happy with a car that has A.C., Hallelujah, because I've been there where a car doesn't have, actually have one in my driveway that doesn't have AC, and it, it's in my driveway for a reason, because it's like 110 out right now, a little heat wave. But I, I was in a season where I love fast cars. Guys, how many of you love cars out there? And gals, come on. Fast cars. You love, dude, I had a BMW, I ain't just bragging, I'm just trying to get the love for this car that I had. BMW M6, a V10 it was slightly modified, about 540 horsepower, bam, in your face. And when you started this thing up, it just, boom, just, remember how it sounded, Derek? You remember that sound? You're like, dude, this car sounds sick. The, the roar of, I told first service, there's a couple times I looked at my car and I felt like I had to confess to my wife, I looked at another woman. I'm like, I'm sorry, honey, I, this car is just sexy. It was black, it was beautiful. And, man, I thought I couldn't live without it. I mean, literally, I'm, I'm like, I, this is my car. This is my baby, you know? How many other things you think about in your life? Maybe it's a relationship. Let's get a little more serious. Now, there's people in your life, look around the room. You say, I couldn't live without them. I couldn't live without your, your presence in my life. I think about my wife and my kids, and I, I can't, God forbid, I can't imagine ever having a life without them, even if I was given all the money in the world, I could be wealthy, but I would not be healthy without those relationships, without my bride. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I think that sometimes we forfeit valuable things for things that we count as blessings. And there's something in the scripture I read, and it just blew me away, because how many know that that wealth and health go together. You could be wealthy, but you can't enjoy your wealth if you're not healthy, right? 
and, and vice versa. And God wants to bless us, but he wants to get our perspective on what really matters. And what really matters to you, some of you may feel like you cannot live without a particular substance. It could be drugs or alcohol. It could be unhealthy relationships. Sometimes it's people that will bring us down and hold us back from our destiny. And, and I'm not saying to, to not be f- friends or close to them, but sometimes we ha- there's an unhealthy soul tie and relationship to people that literally can hold us back from destiny. And we've got to set our eyes on what's important. And I read this verse, and Rashad, I want you to read verse 3 of Exodus 33 one more time. And I want to share what's on my heart to you this morning. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Did you read what I just read? He said that you can go to the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you along the way. God was literally saying, I don't think you can handle the responsibility and the weight of my glory. It'll end up doing more harm than good to you because you're stiff-necked. And, and I'm, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to bless you. But he says, but I'm not going to go with you. And then Moses does something about it. And I'm thinking about this. I'm like, wow. I, I can remember moments in my life where I was blessed, I was doing well, but I didn't really have God's presence resting on me. I wasn't living for God and... and And I'm not just talking about that, but I'm thinking about this in relation to past moves of God. And this is an admonishment to our house that God's doing something. And we have to look at this scripture and look at this situation where Moses responded. He did something about it. I feel like sometimes we have a long distance relationship with God. And we, and and that's what he's saying. He's like, you know, I'll still relate to you, but I'm not going to be with you. How, How many know that Sometimes people meet online and it's a long-distance relationship. Have you ever heard of that kind of stuff? Maybe some of you. And and it lasts and it goes really well when there's a distance. But then when you actually meet the person, there's things that eh, doesn't really fit. There's, you know, not, and and maybe the picture they had online was like the best picture of them. The right angle and, (laughs) right, little MySpace angle got to stick your lips out. I got big lips, juicy lips. How many know that a long distance relationship usually doesn't last that long? And it's almost like God says, if you want a long distance relationship with me, you can have it. But that's not really what I want. You just can't handle the closeness. And so there's these things and Moses did something about it. Say, do something about it. we got to do something about it. Moses met with God, and he goes to this tent that he made, and it made, and it was a place where he would just meet with God. And verse 7 says he went and he conversed with God, and he began to talk to him. I want you to read later um, verses 7 through 11 of Exodus 33. Just remember 7-11 and read through that. The first thing that he did was he, he, he stopped and he said, no, I, I need to meet with God. I never want to get to a place in my life where I'm so blessed that I'm distracted from the thing that I need the most, which is God. Sometimes that's why we're not prosperous the way we're asking God for because we can't handle it because he'll put us back into bondage. And he says, I'm going to meet with God because really what he wants to pour out, we just can't handle, you know? 
The second thing I see that happen is the glory cloud rests. Remember last week we talked about the presence of the Lord resting because there's a difference between God living in us and then his presence resting on us. Amen? If you didn't hear that message, I encourage you to go online and listen to it. I think it's good for our house because there's something, um, there's a revelation in it as a people that we learn and it's part of defining what the gospel really is that the presence of the Lord rested on the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. And so it is, the Lord will rest the Spirit of God like he rested on Jesus and remained on a heart that is merciful and loving to everyone that they come in contact with, one that that just releases and not retains. So the glory cloud rested. And what happened at that point, the people began to worship because when God's presence is there, he becomes the focus. When his presence isn't there, other things are the focus. That's a good mark. If he's there, he's the focus. And it says they worship God. Now, as we grow in grace, as we see what God's doing in the last days, because how many know God's moving right now all over the planet? I was sharing with First Service. I remember as a young believer, I was like 18, and I heard about miracles and stuff like that and people being raised from the dead, and it only happened overseas. It was like, you know, it didn't really happen that much. And then God started increasing that stuff. And now it's a very common thing to see a miracle and a sign and wonder in the local church and in the streets of Henderson. Hello. Salvation, healing, deliverance. And, and I, I'm thinking about this. And God, here's what I want to share with you, that when his presence rests and he becomes the focus, his presence is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger in our midst and in the church world, because God is, he's moving. There's an acceleration, an exponential increase. He's restoring the tabernacle of David. He's pouring out latter glory. He's, he's filling his house with glory. And when that, when that has this happens and progresses, it's the increase of his government. Because when the increase of his government, the kingdom reigns, it's an increase of glory. Are you guys getting this? Now, that means worship is going to get more and more intense. How many know this morning? Worship is just, it, oh, man. I mean, when we come together, it's like, and, and I, we've seen it increase. Over the years, I've been a worship leader for many years, and I've seen it increase. It's like over the last 10 years, I don't know if you noticed that too, Chris. I, it's like it seems like the worship is just getting more intense. It's getting more real. And so that's another thing that happened is the people worshiped. And then Moses speaks face-to-face with God. There's a deeper encounter. And then the fifth thing that happened, verse 12 and 13, Moses cries for more, and he says, I want to know your ways. I want to know what you're about to do. I want to know your next course of events. I don't want to be in the dark. God, show me what you're about to do. And then God responds. And here's what I want to look at. He responds, and he says, my presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. Verse 14, rest is an attribute of being in the presence of God. According to Isaiah 11, 11, it says the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Isaiah 11, chapter, uh, verse 1. We talked about that last week. But here's, here's the response that I believe as an admonition, as a church, as a people, as being a part of the body of Christ. And we're living in such a great season where people are, we're going to see such a harvest come in. We, will not, we won't have room in buildings to contain the prodigals coming home. We will not have room. And I'm telling you, get ready. Get strength in the nets because God has something he wants to, he wants to keep before our eyes. 
And here's what Moses said. He said, if your presence, God, does not go with us, don't bring us up from here. Think about that for a minute. He could have forfeited God's blessing or God's presence and just been blessed and entered the promised land. And Moses' heart cry was, God, there's no other, I'm not going if it's without you. Listen, I'm going to say this, and I don't say it to be negative. If God's presence is not in our church and on us, I'm closing the doors. There's no point. That's my heart cry. It can never just be entertainment. We are not an entertainment-driven church. We're not here to entertain you. Amen. We're here to transform culture and bring heaven to earth. And we can't do that with entertainment. And if his presence isn't here, I I love what it says in the message translation. He says, if your presence doesn't take the lead here, call this trip off right now. It's like, God, forget it. I'm not going on this trip. I'm not going to... I'm not going to go another day without your presence. Here's the point. See, we have all these things that we say we can't live without. I can't live without this relationship. can't live without this substance. I can't. But I'm here to tell you right now, we need to understand that this has to be the heart cry of every believer. I cannot live without your presence. It's my heart cry. I can't do church without the presence of the Lord. I can't. I can't, I I don't want to sing a song if God's not on it. I don't want to preach a message unless it's from heaven. I was preparing for this. I'm like, God, this is so simple. He's like, just just say what I've told you to say. We need to learn to rest in revival, and this is one of the keys. The key is value his presence above everything else. I was thinking about all through the Bible What is it about, God? What's this common thread through Scripture? What is the common thread beginning in the garden? And I want to declare to you, in the garden, guess what it was about? It was about His presence. It was about Him coming and walking in the cool of the day and speaking to people and speaking to Adam and Eve. And and there was an intimate interchange. It was about His presence. It was about the presence of the Lord. When I think about Jacob encountering God, and he's, he's in this place that he called Bethel, which means the house of God, the dwelling place of God. He says, you're awesome in this place, and I did not know it. It was about his presence. Think about all the times in Scripture. It was about the presence of the Lord. The establishing of the old covenant with Moses in the burning bush, it was about the presence of the Lord. With the Ark of the Covenant, what, what was the centerpiece of the whole Old Testament? Think about it. The centerpiece was the Ark of the Covenant, was it not? What did the Ark represent? The presence, the glory of God. I feel like sometimes past revivals or moves of God or God moves in a church or He moves in our life and sometimes we're, we're positioned like the children of Israel with Moses and, and He's like, listen, you go ahead, I'm going to bless you, but I, I, I'm not, I can't rest on this thing because I don't think you can handle the weight of my glory and the responsibility of what I'm going to do. Because revival is, is, we have to be very responsible about what God is doing. Holiness, living right before God. Come on, somebody. See, a lot of times I think that we, we, we don't want to give up the stuff to inherit greater glory because of the responsibility that it carries. And even some of the mature folks don't like that. 
what I just said. We don't want to give up the stuff. Well, this is the way I live. I live in grace. That's not grace. Grace is not doing whatever we want to do. See, sometimes if we have this, this mindset that, like, it's, it's almost like uh, the way heart disease can creep in the physical body, that you, you actually feel good, but your heart is beating at a slow rate, and it's weak that it makes you feel comfortable. And we feel like, well, I don't really need to do anything. I'm just living in grace. No. Grace is divine enablement to do what God created you to do, to fly, to soar, to be a reformer and a revivalist. Amen? I don't know why I'm saying that, but I believe sometimes we, that there's a responsibility. God's like, you can't handle what I want to give you, so I'm not going to go with you, but you go ahead, be blessed. I don't want to be that person. Moses said, if you're not going, I ain't going, Lord. Forget it. Let me make some more declarations to you. Guess what it was about in the promised land? It was about his presence. With the establishment of the priests, what was it about? About the presence of the Lord. All the preparations and everything, was, it was for that moment the high priest got to go into the Holy of Holies and lay the blood on the mercy seat to atone for the sins of God's people so that he could be with them because that's what he wanted. And that's why Jesus came with the establishment of the tabernacle. What was it about? About God's desire to dwell in our midst. With Isaiah being undone, seeing the king of glory, it was about his presence. With David on the backside of a mountain worshiping when nobody was looking, he says, Lord, you inhabit the praises of your people. What was it about? It was about his presence. If we learn this value, it's, there's nothing greater. There's nothing greater than just being in his presence. There's, I don't want anything else. With David on the backside of a mountain, establishing worshipers in the tabernacle for 33 years, worshipers coming in and just being in the presence of God. He broke the rules. It wasn't, it wasn't normal for that to happen, but it was, they could all come into this holy place. They could all come and enjoy coming into the temple, coming into the house of the Lord. With Solomon building the temple, read the instructions from heaven in the Old Testament. Read the instructions God gave. Every square centimeter of perfect construction. Guess what it was all for? Not just to be pretty and structured. It was all about the presence. Think about that in light of the body of Christ today. We could have the most perfect structures. I'm not just talking about building. I'm talking about being dignified and, you know, like we're pastoral and all this stuff. But without the presence of the Lord, what's the point? Come on. Without the anointing from heaven, if if he's not resting on it, if he's not going with me, forget it. I'm passionate about this, church. I I want us to get this. As as we grow together, it always has to be about the presence of the Lord. And some of you say, well, maybe I haven't really tasted of his presence, and today might be a day where you do. Maybe you'll drink in deep the rivers of living water. Jesus. His name is Jesus. It's his presence. And all the other stuff you thought you couldn't live without will just fall off. The desire for drugs and alcoholism will just fall off. And, and no longer will you want to get high, but you'll just want to encounter the most high. You'd, come on. And you're going to just want him. And you're going to say nothing else is as valuable. It's not worth to be blessed and do all this other stuff. I want you. If your presence doesn't go with me, what's the point? With the promise of the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 9, listen, it says, his name will be called Emmanuel, meaning what? 
God with us. What's it about? It's about his presence. Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones, as we're prophesying earlier for the four winds to blow. What is the wind? The wind is the ruah, the spirit of God, the same spirit in Genesis 1-1 that hovered over the waters when the world was chaotic and, and without form. And then he began to speak and create. It was about his presence with Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones. When Ezekiel uh, gets reminded by God in chapter 44 that it's about ministering in the inner courts, this restoration of worship. When his presence is restored, worship is restored. And when worship is restored, the value for what it's all about is right in front of us. It's about his presence. In the end of Ezekiel, this is so profound because Ezekiel is like the acts of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. You read Isaiah, and it's all about revealing Christ. There's so many messianic prophecies in the book of Isaiah, one of the major prophets. In Ezekiel, it's about the Holy Spirit, and he's having encounters with God and visions, and he ends the very last verse of Ezekiel says this. It says, and he uses this name, that Yahweh Shammah, which is the Lord is there, because it's all about his presence. In the life of Jesus, when he drives out the money changers, it was about a passion for the honor and zeal for the house and the presence of God. When Jesus was crucified and he said, it's finished, the veil was torn in two, the work of the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection, it was so we could have access again to his presence because it all started in the garden and it's all about his presence. In the promise of greater works in John 14, 12, it's about his presence because now his spirit can dwell in and on us so that we can go out and carry, carry out the great commission, which, by the way, the great commission itself was about the presence of the Lord. Well, how, how, why would you say that? In John 20, 21, he says he breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit as he sent them. He also said in Matthew, I will be with you till the end of the age. See, we do the great commission without the presence We do it as a form of works and we do it as a form of, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm doing my works and it could be blessed even, but it still might not have the presence of God on it. The great commission is about the presence. Amen. Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost. What was it about? Come on. Verse 1 of chapter 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a, mush, a rushing mighty what? Wind. That's the Spirit of God. And it filled the house they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues of fire and sat upon each one of them. They began to speak in other languages because the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit of God, it was about restoring His presence again to the earth. We could go on and on. It's always been about his presence. I want, you to, I want to challenge you to look through Scripture and find two or three treasures of this truth and find and say, wow, it is about your presence. I'm going to tell you, I felt like the Lord said earlier to me, he says, what's more holy, the altar or your bedroom and at home? Because we'll sit up here and, and like, you know, yes, God, and, but, but at home it's something else and it's because we don't value his presence because actually home, I'm, I'm the king and priest of my home, right? And that is my first ministry, my wife and my kids. And I'm not their pastor. I'm a husband, I'm a father. But home is holy, just as holy as the altar. Think about that for a minute. 
That convicted me when the Lord spoke to my heart. He says, what's holier, the altar or your home and your bedroom? And I'm like, wow. And with this presence, it's just, it becomes easy. Doesn't it, Rochelle? Doesn't it, honey? With this presence, it's like, wow. A marriage without the presence of the Lord sucks. Can I use that word in church? Should we vote on it? No, we're not that type of church. Sorry if you didn't like it. The presence of the Lord in a relationship, no matter what it is, is what binds it together. His love is like a ligament. That's what the scripture says in Colossians 3.14. The, the love of God, it, it, it's the bond of perfection. The spirit of God in our lives, if we don't worship together, if we don't, that's why we gather saints. Come every time the church doors are open, every time you get a chance. Because it's that, Present, the presence of the Lord in our midst that knits our hearts together. Guess what? When we get to heaven, we're going to do a, a show. Um, I really feel, you know, Chris has a passion for film, and it's going to be about Alex's crib when we get to heaven. And Alex is going to tour. When we get to heaven, it's going to be about the cribs. How many of you ever seen the show Cribs? Okay. You know, when, I, when I'm not serious, you guys respond more. You guys don't like me serious or something. I'm like... In the presence of God. And you guys are like. And then I'm like, cribs. And you're like, hey, Michelle. <laughs> it's okay. I love you. Guess what? When we get to heaven, it's not going to be about cribs in heaven. Well, look at my streets of gold before I'm all that. Come on in here. Let me show you my pool. Got a crystal pool over here in the back. You can walk on water in heaven too. And I mean, just make it. Just think about it. Guess what it's going to be about when we get to heaven? I love hitting this glass table. I hope I don't break it. It's going to be about the presence of God before the throne, worshiping, bowing down, and then getting up and seeing another facet of his glorious face and falling back down for another 10,000 years. If you can measure time in heaven and you're like, wow, I just want to be right here as close as I can to daddy God. Let's get the value now. That's why this, this is happening in the hearts of God's peoples because he's restoring the tabernacle of David. And I will not forfeit the presence of the Lord for a future of promised blessing. Like some past revivals have gone ahead of God. And they've been blessed. And guess what? Movements turn into monuments and, and denominations and, and all that stuff. And, and they've been blessed. Because the favor of God can last a long time, you know, Adam and Eve died spiritually, or they, they, they began to decay when they ate of the fruit, but they still lived a long time. Some people think that they're, oh, I still got the God's favor on my life. No, you, you missed it a long time ago, and you need to get back right. But just because you sense it on your life doesn't mean that you still have it. Hello? That, that's a good word of correction for all of us because we have to constantly just, we align our hearts. Make sure that he's resting on us. We got to be a people of his presence. Say that. Say, I want to be a people of his presence. See, it's at the core of what the tabernacle of David is about. It's at the core of latter glory filling his house. It's at the core of his kingdom coming and the whole earth being full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Those are three things that as a church we really, we've done series on. The latter glory, the tabernacle of David in different ways, and the kingdom of God. Because I believe if we don't get that, 
then we can't walk out as the, the New Testament church what God is doing in this hour. So let me close with, again, the response Moses gave, and I pray that it would be all of our response to the Lord. It says in Exodus thirty-three fifteen, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. I love the message. He says, if, you, if your presence doesn't take the lead here, call this trip off right now. As a father, God, if your presence isn't on me as a dad, then I, I have no right fathering. I, I, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. Teach me to be a man of God, a man of mercy and grace with my kids. Just have grace with them and love them and just love them. As a husband, if your presence doesn't go, this applies to our life. It's, it's got to be the pinnacle. It's got to be everything that we, it's Lord, your presence. Whether you're in business, whatever you do, God, I want to follow you. I want to be led by you. I want your presence to rest on me. I want you to close your eyes and pray as the worship team comes. And and we're just going to seal this moment with a song. Would you lift your hands and just ask him. Say, Holy Spirit, come and rest on my life. I want to rest in you. I want to rest in your presence. We just... We don't want to move without you. We don't want to move without your presence, God. So come and rest on us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I want to ask you to stand up with me, if you would, please, as we close. I want to pray for maybe some people here that have never received Jesus. Maybe you've never made a decision for Christ or you feel like, you know what, I just need God in my life. I want to make my heart right before God. I want to confess my sin. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He he forgives us. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You want to be honest with God and say, I don't think, I'm not sure if I've ever received the cleansing from the blood of Jesus. You need to come to the mercy seat this morning. Whoever you are, God is saying, you know what? You think you can't live without all that stuff, but what you've really been looking for is my presence. So I want to pray. Would you just close your eyes, saints, and those of you that said, you know what? I am that, I'm that person you're talking about right now. I just want to get my life right with God. I want to confess my sin, and I just want to say yes to him. I want you to quickly just raise up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Who's here and says, you know what, I need that. Lift up one hand in the air high. There's a couple of hands going up. Who else who says, God, you say, that's me. I, I just need to get my life right with God. You can put your hand down. I'm not going to call you up front. I want you now to just out loud begin to confess your sins. Come on. Say, I'm sorry for being angry, God. I'm sorry for lying. I'm sorry for doing Just begin to get honest with God and let Him cleanse you. Let Him wash you clean. Let Him make you a new creature, a new creation in Christ right now. Receive His mercy. Receive His grace. Receive a new heart in your life. Thank you for transforming power, God. Thank you for cleansing power. So let's sing about His presence. Let's sing about His love. Let's seal it with this song. Come on. Yes, in the glory of your presence, Lord.